0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host, Eric, and this is episode six of The Eagle. last episode, we got some more insight into James and Maury's relationship. Maury was offered a job working for Ren directly as the head of enforcement, a job which James felt like maybe should have been discussed with him before being offered. We rejoin James in the present and see how he is doing this week. James felt that his first week back in the office had gone well and not just because of how Maury had welcomed him back. For the first time in a while, he felt important. He signed off on papers, took care of requests, and actually dealt with performance reviews. Morey had spent the morning in his office and wandered off by the early afternoon. Any time he asked about it, she said something offhanded about orders and cases or dismissed him entirely. He stayed late at the office hoping to see Morey again before he went home. Some days she had been back around 1900, others he had stayed until 2100 without any sign of her, at which point he went home for Ollie's sake. On Sunday, James tried to sleep in but still woke up at 0600 to a quiet knock on the door. He put a pillow on top of his head and considered ignoring it entirely. The thought of Ollie standing in the hall made him feel guilty enough to get up. The least he could do was let Ollie go back to sleep on his sofa. James wrapped a blanket around his waist and opened the door. Morrie was standing on his stoop. She held a knife in her hand and mocked, throwing it at him. "'I could have killed you just like that.' "'And yet you did not.' James smiled. He moved aside to let Maury in and shut the door behind her. As soon as he had bolted the door, she took off her hood as well as her knife holster and tossed them onto the sofa along with the satchel she was carrying. "'I was afraid you would not be awake.' James rubbed his eyes. "What are you doing up so early?' She brought her shoulders up as she yawned. She took James by the arm and pulled him back to the bedroom and crawled into his bed. I've been working since four. I thought I wanted to try out nap-based tourism. James stood at the end of the bed and watched her make herself comfortable. You're only wearing your boots in bed? Maury looked up at him. Her eyes were darker underneath than they had been last time he saw her with her hood off. James unzipped her boots and pulled them off her before climbing onto bed next to her. You're doing a good job making sure I do not regret saving your life. James wrapped his arms around her and breathed in her scent. Her hair smelled like licorice, but she smelled a bit like grease and dried blood as well. You look very tired, Miss Mori. She nestled her face into his chest. Wake me up at 7.30 so I can get back to work, will you? James held her close and dozed with her until the alarm went off. James made Maury pancakes for breakfast. They came out slightly burnt, but Maury did not say anything. She just heaped an extra spoonful of jam onto them and stirred a spoon of jam into her coffee. Why are you going into work and why the fuck were you up at four? Maury gestured with her fork. Up at four to finish the paperwork on the cases I took for Wren because I was too tired last night. Headed to work versus myself to drop the papers off at Wren's, then to the gym for sparring practice, and by 11 Poppy has a few difficult sewing projects to return to the tailor shop and needs to fix the main sewing machine for them. And what were you doing last night? Cases for Wren, as well as some back files for corrections that were returned by records requesting more details and clarifications on incidents. She rubbed her eyes. I need to get going. Thanks for the bed breakfast, Mr. Porter. She moved to jump down from the bar stool and took a deep breath before doing so. James followed her into the bedroom where she sat on the edge of the bed and put on her boots. You know you can say no to Wren. Maury looked up at James. The man does not understand that some people have other things to do besides paperwork. You can tell if he is overworking you. Not if I want to take the head of enforcement position, I cannot. Maury, he has you working three jobs right now. He's being unreasonable. Maury shook her head and yawned. "'He is just trying to force my hand. I have not decided yet if I am going to let him.' "'I doubt he realizes how much work you are taking on.' Maury moved to the front room, strapped her holster to her thigh, and adjusted her hood. "'He knows perfectly well what he is doing, Mr. Porter. He is trying to force me to choose between corrections, enforcement, and my second life. What I am wondering is which of the two options he's hoping to force me towards.' He listed three. To him, I only have two reasonable ones. Let me take your files over to him for you so you can save an hour. I'm not doing anything today. Kind of you to offer, but he's my sparring partner anyhow. James tried to not show his disappointment outwardly. Maury started towards the door before turning back to James. All right, you can come with, just make it snappy. James changed his underwear and dressed himself in his outfit that coordinated with Maury's. Maury lay on her stomach, stretched across the bed, and watched him dress. Promise you'll not take this the wrong way, Mr. Porter. He looked at her while he tied his tie. What? You really are exceedingly handsome. James smiled, the words were odd to hear with her hood on. I am unsure as to how I could take that the wrong way. I do not want you to think I'm too fond of you, is all. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Maury rolled off the bed and leapt to her feet. You just promise not to take it the wrong way. She stood on her tiptoes and kissed James on the lips. Now hurry up, we need to go. She kissed him again. He held Maury's waist. Is this a riddle like earlier this week? Am I to call him and say I double booked? Maury chewed lightly on his neck while he spoke. I wish, as long as he does not materialize more work for me, I should be free tonight if you'd like to finally get a proper fucking in. Was the last not proper? We are both fully dressed in the corner of your office. Maury giggled for a second. We really need to get going. James kissed her again before letting her go. You do not think he's keeping you so busy so you don't have time for me, do you? I told you he wants me to pick between my two reasonable options. He does not think staying with you in corrections is one of them. Maury grabbed her satchel and headed out the door. She held her hand up to James while she dialed her communicator. It clicked on. Good morning, Rem. Maury here. I will be about ten minutes late. I ran into Mr. Porter. Mr. Porter as in James? He was out of bed before eight? James leaned towards Maury. I resent that, Mr. Winston. My apologies, James. I did not realize you were job-shadowing today. I presume I will be seeing you both then. Yes, so long as that will not be an issue. Of course not. Try not to find any trouble. Mori clicked off the communicator. She sighed. You're his best friend. Was he pissed or elated? I've often wondered the same thing, Miss Mori. Fuck. Mori muttered under her breath. It would not be so infuriating if he was not right all the time. I have often thought the same thing, Miss Mori. You will not tell him we had this conversation or that I stopped by your place this morning, correct? I assume you'll cut my tongue out if I do? Maury shook her head. I cannot slip from the director's good graces by detonguing his closest friend. I prefer irony and punishments, but I would have to cut your balls off. Would you really new to your lover? Maury stopped walking abruptly before starting again. Is that what you think of yourself as? I tend to think of you as my bitch, as agreed upon. "'Can I not be both?' "'You seem to be awfully fond of testing your luck, Mr. Porter.' morrie knocked on Wren's door, and James stood off behind her. "'It occurred to him suddenly that besides himself, Luna, and Elliot, "'no one else had ever been privileged with knowing where exactly Wren lived. "'And here, morrie already had the route memorized. "'James wanted a drink.' "'Wren opened the door and smiled warmly. "'He looked them both over as they came in. "'Good morning, Miss morrie I trust you are well.' And James, are you not looking the sharpest you have in a long time? Wren patted him on the shoulder. You pull off the black very well, very dapper. I see you're in a good mood, Wren. Wren stretched his arms out and laughed. Of course, a wonderful way to spend a Sunday morning with two of the most delightful people I know. James looked at Mori out of the corner of his eye. She'd set her satchel on the coffee table and pulled a bundle of files from it. Mori held the files out to Wren. If you'd not mind looking over these to ensure they're your standards, I would like to amend any errors while you and Mr. Porter have a chance to catch up. Wren took the files and held them. I already know they are up to my standards, Morrie. You're the closest thing I've found to doing this job myself. Morrie tilted her head in a slight bow. If you're ready, then, shall we head to the gym? Morrie gestured to Wren. You often spar in business casual. Do you often spar in a corset and hood? James stood to the side of the two and observed the conversation. He wondered if they always interacted this tensely or if he was making them both uncomfortable. Ren sat on the sofa putting on his shoes. Generally, when James and I spar, we do not wear our business clothes, no. However, I felt it would be an unfair advantage for me to be comfortable while you were in full garb. I appreciate you agreeing to have a go with me while James is out of commission still. It is quite an honor that you would invite me. No. Wren looked at James somewhat oddly while he opened the door. The honor is all mine. James sat on a bench looking out at the mat in the sparring room. Maury set her satchel on the bench next to James and set to take off her boots and the stockings beneath. Her legs below the knee were already covered in many green bruises. Wren took his shoes and socks off and put them under the bench to the other side of James. Say, Wren... James pointed to a spot on the mat. Is that not the very spot I broke your nose? Maury tilted her head towards Wren. I do believe so, James. James laughed and looked at Maury. I never get any credit for that. He likes to tell people he headbutted a doctor in the psych ward while strapped in. As I recall, Mr. Porter, what you always leave out of the story is that you broke your hand breaking my nose. I spent a month looking a little uglier than usual and you spent a month and a half struggling to button your own shirts. Wren took off his dress jacket and began to roll his sleeves. James shut his mouth and nodded. How old were you two? James answered when Wren did not. Seventeen. Maury started to undo her gloves. Wren shook his head. Keep them on unless you think it would give you an advantage to have them off. Maury fixed the laces and kept them on. You two are lucky to have had each other for so long. James looked to Wren. Wren was stretching and rolling his neck. His jaw was tensed. What about you, Maury? Who do you have? Maury slowly cracked her knuckles. James looked down at the mat. No one. Wren smiled slightly. Shall we dance? Wren moved to the center of the mat. There was a circle drawn on, and he stood at the edge of it. Maury stood across from him. I'm ready when you are." James watched intently from the bench. He felt mute. Wren and Mori matched the other's movements around the edge of the circle, both barefoot. Mori stood almost half a foot shorter than Wren. Wren faked a lunge towards Mori. She did not flinch. They continued to circle each other. What do you suppose, Mori, your greatest weakness is? You tell me. She took a step towards Wren. He stepped towards her and reached to grab her by the shoulder. As soon as he did, Mori grabbed his arm, spun inwards towards him, and threw him over her shoulder to the ground. Ren rolled to his side and grabbed her ankle, pulling her down with him. She tried to pull away, but his grip on her ankle was firm. Perhaps it is that you let yourself be swept off your feet too willingly. Mori kicked Ren firmly in the chest. He still did not let go of her ankle. Ren? Yes, Mori. Sorry. She kicked him in the face. He reflexively let go of her ankle and pulled his hands to his head. Maury pulled her leg back, and as Wren began to move to crouch, she pounced on him and knocked it back to the floor. She sat on his chest with his arms pinned to his side and slowly brought her fist down next to his head. Wren laughed. His cheek was pink from where she had kicked him. Apology accepted. Good match. mori got off Wren, stood, and offered him her hand. He took it and stood. James shifted uncomfortably. Wren always lost the first match. They returned to the edge of the circle. They did not circle each other for long. Wren took the first lunge again. Mori grabbed his arm to throw him, but he wrapped it around her neck and pulled her to his chest. Perhaps it is that you are unsure as to how to solve problems you must face more than once. He locked her head in the crook of his arm and lifted her by the neck against his chest until her feet could not touch the ground. Mori elbowed him hard in the side until he let go. She stood gasping for a moment to catch her breath. She coughed. You know your biggest weakness, Ren. Ren put his hand on her shoulder. Are you... She elbowed him in the ribs and used a low sweep kick to knock him to the ground. She kicked him in the ribs before dropping on top of him, wrapped her legs around his neck. He brought his hands up to try to pull her leg from his neck, but gave up after a moment. It would bring me great pleasure to hear what you have determined my weakness to be. Maury neatened the part in Ren's hair. You still hold hope that there is good in the world. Wren relaxed his head into her thigh and looked up at her. And you do not? No. Maury spent a moment longer neatening his hair before lifting her leg off of Ren and letting him up. Wren stood, dusted himself off, and returned to the edge of the circle. Maury did the same. This time she lunged towards Wren. He grabbed her and slammed her to the floor. He sat on her chest and pinned her. Are you certain you do not just tell yourself that to pardon yourself from the fact you are a monster? If you truly believed there was no good, no hope, why would you not fully commit to being a villain like the rest of us? Wren reached towards her hood. James stood from the sidelines. Leave her alone, Wren. Wren looked over at James. Or else what? You will break your hand on my nose or sick Mori on me? She knew what to expect when she agreed to spar with me. I can handle myself, Mr. Porter. James sat back on the bench. Wren struck Maury hard across the face with his palm. Maury turned her head with it and laughed. What the fuck, Wren? I can handle myself, James. Wren held his hand out to strike her again. You do know why I'm doing this, correct? Oh, I know, Wren. He struck her again. James sat on the bench with his head in his hands. After a third strike, Ren got off of Mori and helped her from the ground. She took a moment to regain her composure before holding her hand out to Ren. He shook it. Good match, Ren. Good match, Mori. Same time next week? Ren chuckled. I would not miss the opportunity for the world. They walked back to the bench. James handed Mori a towel and Ren grabbed his own. Mori wiped her face, tossing the towel carelessly on James's lap. There was blood on it. Shit. James looked at Wren. The fuck was that about? Have you lost your fucking mind, Wren? Maury sat on the bench next to James and began to work, putting her boots back on. Wren sat on the other side of James and unrolled his sleeves and fixed his cuffs. Do not think for a moment, James, that she would not have her knives at my throat if she did not understand that some evils are necessary. Maury spat on the mat in front of her. Her spit had blood in it as well. If you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I have personal matters to attend to this afternoon. See you on Tuesday, Maury. Do not forget to ice your face. Will do, Wren. Maury waved before turning and walking across the mats to the main door. James stood to follow her. Wren grabbed him by the arm. Personal matters, James. Besides, I thought we could catch lunch and run a few errands together this afternoon, just like old times. Maury just saved me the trouble of having to come out to your place. Old times, right? All those old times where you won a spar with a woman, subdued her, and then hit her in the face until she bled. Firstly, Wren smirked, you do her a disservice to act as though she's a fragile feminine flower. I'm sure she would be enraged to hear you imply she was anything less than my equal. Secondly, I did her a favor. You're fucking unbelievable, Wren. I do not need to explain myself to you, James. She understood, and that is all that matters. James did not speak to Wren on the walk back to his place. James sat on the sofa while Wren showered. He thought of Maury, probably not having time to shower, having to make an excuse for the blood on her face when she went in to fix the sewing machines. He dialed her on his communicator, but she did not pick up. Wren came out half-dressed. Did she answer? James did not look at her, otherwise acknowledge him. I was thinking we could stop by the cafeteria and then drop by the tailor shop. One of my favorite shirts has a little rip in it, and the seamstress they have in on Sundays is just the most delightful, talented, and stunning little thing. James looked back at Wren. You were rather drunk, and the stabbing incident may have chased it from your memory, but you met her at the celebration. The enchanting woman I was conversing with in the back corner before you interrupted us, Miss Poppy Dart? James clenched his jaw. Wren smirked. He sat on the sofa next to James and lit a cigarette. How long have you two been together, then? I do not know what you're talking about, Wren. You and Mori. How long have you two been lovers, and why did you not think it relevant to tell me sooner? Mori's my employee and a close friend who happened to save my life, and I fail to see what Poppy has to do with any of this. Wren threw his head back, laughing. I'm not sure what is funnier, that you think I cannot tell you are seeing Mori, or that you think I do not already know her alias. Do you really think I would have someone doing my dirty work without knowing exactly what sort of second life they lead? Wren stopped laughing and looked at James. I am not an idiot, James. Now answer my question. James looked down at the rug on the floor. She's not fond of the term lover when applied to myself in regards to her. Wren rubbed the bridge of his nose. At least she has not lost all her senses. I'm choosing to ignore that. To answer the spirit of your question, I got stabbed in the gut and woke up with her sleeping on my chest half-dressed. Ren was quiet for a moment. You knew she was Poppy before then, though, correct? James shook his head slowly. I was certain you did. Well, that does not explain a few things. Like what? Oh, why you made an ass of yourself flirting with her at the celebration? Why she did not stick around after the bar fight to make sure you were all right? Why you always avoid it. Hold that thought. What do you mean you should not stick around after the bar fight? Ren held his hands up for a moment and moved his fingers like he was counting. Well, I will be. Between Luna getting murdered, your my promotion, you getting stabbed, and every other bit of insanity that has happened this last month, we never did have a chat about the bar fight. James grimaced slightly. Just tell me what happened, Ren. As you may recall, the incident began with your delivery of a particularly moving speech to the patrons about how we were having an important conversation, and that they all needed to shut the fuck up or get the fuck out, because you were James Porter, head of corrections. Most of the patrons left at this point, and you turned back to tell me about how inconsiderate people can be. Ren emphasized the word inconsiderate. Alright, I'm sorry. I remember that, so tell me what happened next. Well, I noticed that six patrons were specifically not leaving the bar, five of whom were not the friendliest folk. The six was my very favorite little seamstress sitting at the end of the bar giggling into her teacup. James nodded, suddenly recalling how many times he had seen Maury at that same bar without even knowing it was her. I tried to draw my revolver, hoping to diffuse the situation, but it rather backfired when three of the men noticed I was reaching for it. Respectively, from right to left, one froze, one of them tackled you from your makeshift soapbox, the other hid behind a table, coincidentally representing the concept of fight, flight, or freeze quite delightfully. I ought to note that down for the next group of interns that wander through. Wren looked at the ceiling for a moment. I'm sure you do not need to write it down to remember it, Wren. Go on. Perhaps you are correct. Anyhow, before the other two men had time to demonstrate any other human reactions to threat, I shot the furthest left one between the eyes. The second one was a man of rather large stature wielding a knife. I shot him as well. I went to shoot our perfect example of Frozen when I saw the large man coming at me and realized I'd hit his weapon rather than him. My third shot thusly missed its mark in my distraction. I was nearly backed into a corner with a man twice my size almost on top of me. I shot him twice in the chest and once in the head. If you're keeping track, I'm out of ammo and you're drunk on the floor getting your face punched in. You finally managed to shoot your ruffian in the head. James thought for a moment. So far, everything lined up well. Unfortunately, I'm not the only one capable of counting to six. Our previously frozen friend took his opportunity to move towards me, which made reaching for my backup revolver rather impractical. Maybe if you did not think carrying extra ammo on your chest clashed with your outfit, that would not have been an issue. Neither would it have been an issue were you not drunk. Fine, go on. I was able to incapacitate the man coming at me by easily kicking out his knee. It was at this point you were so focused on the gentleman I had easily handled myself that you did not notice the final man standing behind you with a knife. I was stood there for what felt like eternity, thinking I was going to watch my best friend be sliced open in front of me when the man collapsed. Completely oblivious to this apparent miracle, you got up, reloaded your gun, returned it to your holster, and excused yourself to go vomit, while Miss Poppy Dart smiled, waved, and blew me a kiss before slipping out. I checked the back of the gentleman's neck and had a throwing knife stuck in it. Maury was short a knife when she was sharpening them a couple days after. While that does further corroborate the evidence, the fact that there are very few women who keep throwing knives on them at all times rather gave her away in and of itself. I pocketed the knife and was able to confront her about it when she stopped by with the case she stole from you. James rubbed his temples. Shit. So that's what you meant when you said death has taken her fancy to me. I assumed you knew her alias before then especially since I had suspected her for a while. Perhaps you are stuck with people who speak in riddles. All right, fine. That explains a few things. But why did you punch her in the fucking face? I am just forcing her to make a difficult decision. It was one she knew she needed to make eventually. I am helping her to move eventually a little closer. Wren craned his neck to look in the kitchen at the clock before wandering out of the room. He began gathering a small pile of clothes that needed mended. James sat on the end of the bed. How long have you known? Known what? About Maury? I told you I suspected her for a while, but did not get confirmation until the bar fight. No, about Maury and I. Wren bobbed his head back and forth as he was thinking. He did not turn to face James when he spoke. There have been rumors about you and Maury having relations for a long time. I did not pay them much mind because she was always tidy enough to keep her lovers separate from her work persona. I rather doubted she would risk her reputation on you. That does not answer my question, Wren. Wren turned to face James. He reached out and poked James in the side of the neck just under his shirt collar. Ow. James brought his hand to his neck and rubbed it. There was a sore spot. The James Porter I know does not go out walking and happen to run into people before lunchtime on his days off, so that raised my suspicions enough to notice your hickey, which the James Porter I know would be bragging about to me almost immediately if it was from any other source. James kept his hand over his neck. Do not worry, it is hardly noticeable. I would not have seen it if I'd not been watching you closely. All right, James put his hands down. You caught me. so that means I can ask why you're so upset at the thought of her and I being together. Wren grabbed his watch from the nightstand and adjusted it on his wrist. Maury is exceptionally good for you because she will not tolerate your mediocrity or complacency. In many ways, she is the push you needed. I am also awfully grateful to her that she was fond enough of you to make sure and save your life several times. But... but... Ren looked at James. Just because she is good for you does not mean you are good for her. We've been friends for half our lives, Ren. Am I really that awful? You are a liability to her now. She has to keep you safe because you are not able to keep yourself safe. And do not try to dispute that. The evidence is there. She is talented. She has the personality to do well but having feelings for you is making her life messy. What? Would you like me to cut things off with her so she can have a career, follow in your footsteps? There are a lot of other women in the complex, James. Among other things, you did not need to pick the one that has the most to lose by being with you. James tensed his jaw. There were a lot of fucking women in the complex that were not Luna Wren, but even when she chose to cut things off with you, you still had to have your finger in every fucking thing she did, if you'd ever stopped digging in that fucking wound, she would not have been filleted in her sleep. What is more, Ren, I never made a move on Mori until she made one on me. I never crossed that line as her superior, even though for much of the last year I was her superior in title alone, and I certainly would have loved to start something with her. I'm not saying Luna's feelings where you weren't genuine. But you put her in a position early on into her internship where her perceived choices could have been easily been please you or be sent back to working at composting. Please you! You who drank blood and killed men with his bare hands and saw spiders. James stood and gestured to the watch Ren was wearing. Six years, Ren. Six years since she said no, since she ended things. And I do not blame you. I remember how vibrant she was, how much being around her changed you. But for every instance you were telling yourself that you were trying to make things right by her, you just made them worse until it came to be that she's dead and you're miserable. I do not think you are one to fucking talk. Ren looked at his wrist. He did not speak. So go ahead, push Maury's hand, have her work three jobs full-time and bruise her face so she looks in the mirror in the morning and knows she cannot escape this anymore. If I never saw her again, if she burned her costume and shelved her knives and I saw her sitting in the park hemming a pair of slacks, I would not even speak to her. I would smile, nod, move on with my life even for her. The unfortunate thing for her is, even if I was able to do that, you would not. James stood and looked down slightly at Wren. That is your biggest fucking weakness, Wren. You always have to be right. Even it takes you years of not letting go and picking at it to get there. You're only a psychic because you treat everything like a fucking self-fulfilling prophecy. Ren closed his eyes and went through a few cycles of breathing. James watched him and felt a wave of regret. He put his hand on Ren's shoulder. I should not have brought Luna into this. Ren shook his head. I understand your point, James, and why you view me as being hypocritical in this instance as I have been and will be in many instances before and after this. He turned and grabbed the full garment bag. I do not expect for anything to change between the two of you. I just expect that since there is something, you will not get in her way. Wren walked past James and left the room. James watched him stand by the door. Well, come on, James, unless you have something else to say. What are you hoping she chooses? She has already chosen. I'm waiting for her to commit. James held the door open for Wren at the tailor shop. He considered letting the door shut behind Wren and walking away, but he did not. There were half a dozen desks set up with sewing machines, occupied by women. A row of chairs were in the front, mostly full of people waiting to pick up or drop off or try on their clothes. James followed Wren straight into the main counter. Wren exchanged small talk with the woman there for a moment. James glanced around the room until he noticed Poppy in the back corner, her face was close to the machine and she was operating on, but from her hair and the way she focused on the work, there was no doubting it was her. James tuned back into the conversation in time to hear Wren asking the woman if he could speak with Miss Dart about a particular detail he wanted altered. The woman went back to talk to Poppy. Poppy looked up from her machine at James and Wren before saying something and smiling. She walked towards the front of the room with the same solid steps she always walked with, her toes pointing straight forward. She smiled warmly with the left side of her mouth until the smiling began to crack her lip open and she stopped. The right side of her face had swollen as had her lower lip. You poor thing! Wren walked towards her with his arms out. Pray tell what happened to your lovely little face! They embraced for a moment, just long enough to have caught the attention of the other people waiting in the shop. When they broke their embrace, Wren moved to the side slightly so that he was not blocking her face from view. I would rather not say, Mr. Wren. She held her hand up to her face as if to wipe her eyes. It makes me feel quite faint to think that something so cruel and strange could happen. Wren put his arm around her shoulders and walked her towards James. You must tell us what happened, Miss Dart. Such an assault cannot go unpunished. We must find the man who did this to you. I'm afraid I was unable to get a good look at his face. Even if I could stomach to talk of it, I could not tell you much. Did you tell an enforcer about the incident at the very least? The main woman from the front desk spoke up. I told her, Mr. Wren, that she really should call, but she said she was afraid to. It's good you came by. You do not have to be afraid, Miss Dart. My friend Mr. Porter and I are both very good at catching men who do awful things like this. You have nothing to be afraid of. There was a general murmur of agreement in the lobby. Poppy turned her body more towards Wren and leaned her head into his chest. You're right, Mr. Winson. I'm so glad you're here. I always feel safe when you have your arm around me. Wren's cheeks began to grow pink. James could see Maury smirking slightly at him. He smirked back at her. Maury stood on her tiptoes and put her face near Wren's. Could we please step somewhere to talk for a moment? Wren took his arm from around her and offered it to her. Of course, if that would make you feel more comfortable. She took his arm. Oh, it would. Do you mind, Ellen, if I slip out for a half hour or so? James watched them leave. Ren turned back to James. Mr. Porter, perhaps you would join us to ensure we get all the details about the attack? I'm sure you have a handle on it, Ren, unless Miss Dart feels otherwise. Mr. Porter is right, Ren. Besides, truthfully, I've not been able to get you off my mind since we last went dancing. James noticed Ren's ears were pink. He and Maury left the room. The murmurs around the room were a mix of how nice it was to see Ren courting someone and how terrible it must have been what happened to Poppy's face. James stood for a moment before leaving the shop. He smiled to himself. It felt good to see one of Ren's plans backfire. James took a leisurely stroll home, stopping by the market to pick up groceries for the week on the way. He made a casserole to heat up during the week and tidied his apartment. He lounged across the sofa reading a book waiting for Maury to stop by. Around 20-hundred, he tried to give her a buzz, but she did not pick up. He lay in bed and wrapped his arms around the pillow she had slept on that morning. It still smelled of blood, grease, and licorice.